Well, good morning. We are back in our study of Matthew chapter 5 uh, with the Beatitudes, looking at these blessings that Jesus, um, that Jesus pronounces, these blessings that, um, as we've talked about, are kind of upside down. And um, so, so as we've as we kind of looked over these, we've we've really said that um, that Jesus brings in this upside down kingdom, right? Um, and that these blessings, when we come to truly understand what these blessings are all about, they they start on the inside, and and then they start to to work to the outside, right? They start on the inside um, with changing our heart, and then that leads to the outside to changing our emotions and who we are, and so. The last few weeks we've talked about um, two of these already. We've talked about poor in spirit. We said that that is at this place when you are spiritually broken, right? When you come to recognize your condition before God. Um, and we kind of get to this moment where we are just completely broken. Um, and, and then last week we said that building upon that, right? These are kind of building blocks. And so building upon that spiritual brokenness then comes mourning, Right, and so um, the the spiritually broken part really has to do with identifying, right, our condition, our our position before God, um, how we bring nothing to the table um, when we come. In fact, we are we are less than than a beggar in that sense, right? Um, a lot of times, uh, the beggars that we know, a lot of times they have a home to go to, a place to go. This is the idea that that you have absolutely nothing to offer God. Um, and so when we identify that in our lives, that should lead us then to action. And the action we talked about was mourning, um, that we're sorrowful and we, 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 make, uh, we have repentance over the sin in our life. And so Jesus continues on in that same line of thought. And so today we're going to talk about, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. Um, and this is, this is verse 5 of Matthew 5. And so what I, what I want to do today, um, because we are a little bit lighter in number, we're going to be a little bit more interactive, um, even, even so, than normal. Um, and so we're going to just kind of talk, um, we're just going to be more of a conversation back and forth today than, than really a sit and listen. So feel free at any point appropriate, Heath, appropriate, to respond, don't just, just yell out random stuff, yeah, uh, free bird or something. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I want this to be an interactive discussion today as we, as we look at this idea of meekness. Uh, so when you guys hear the word meek, right, what, what are some things that come to mind when you hear that word meek? Pull our little board up here to help us. Um, as, we, as we think about the word meek, uh, maybe in our culture, maybe just in your own experience, what are some things that you've heard about meekness. We're going to put it on, so we're going to put, we're going to make two sides. These are things that truly are meek, and these are things that are actually not meek. Um, but but um, I have a feeling a lot of what we think about meek is probably going to come on this side. But, but what are something, when you hear the word meek, when you think of somebody that is meek, what what is it that comes to mind? Weak, humble. Okay, hold on, we got, man, y'all are just firing. <laughs> so we have weak, right? So is that a yes or a no? What do you think? Yeah. No. All right, so meek is not weak, but we definitely associate that with that. What did you say? Humble. Humble. Yes or no? I think it's associated. Yes? Okay. So we'll put humble here. And y'all are, y'all are right on it. What else? Anything else when you think about meekness? Shy. Shy. Okay. What do you, what do you think? Yes, no, yes, no. No? Okay. We'll go with the audience here. You can push over. Push over, all right? No? Okay. Sissy. Another way to put it. That's on the right. Is that two S's and sissies? Yes, two S's. Man, y'all are right on top of you. Like, y'all are going to spell it out. Y'all are going to start spelling your answers out. Don't say the word you're going to spell it. Yeah, just spell it to me. I like frail. Frail? Okay. Frail. Okay. Anything else you think about? Lowly, okay. Is that an equal or not? I think lowly. Is that you think that's a good definition of meek, or do you think that's a false definition? Okay. So we'll put L Y. Yeah. See, I'm, see, I'm so good. 
have me doubt myself now. Um, we'll put that right there for now, and we'll figure out what we're going to do with that. Okay. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about weak first, right? Because a lot of people think that meekness means weakness, right? Um, we think that, that, that that's kind of what it means to be meek. Um, why, why, why do we bring that? Why do you think we bring that idea of weakness to the fact of being meek? How, how do you think people view meekness as, as weakness? Okay. Okay. So in our, in our culture, in our world, right, where it's all about quick and it's all about um, what I can earn for myself and what I can gain, right? The idea that someone would not be the front runner, not be the loudest voice in the room, right? That may be considered weakness. Um, do unto others as they do unto you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You do you, I'll do me. And if you mess with me, then I, you're going to see what happens. I'm going to mess with you. Yep. Okay. Yep. Kind of, kind of give you back what you got. Um, I think because because meekness, we don't see them uh, retaliate and things like that. Um, we we sometimes think that that somehow is weakness. Um, okay, let's talk about let's talk about because these kind of all kind of go together, right? That's that's another idea is that somebody who's meek is a shy pushover, a, a sissy that's that's frail, right? Uh, maybe even some aspects of, of lowliness here. Um, to the extreme, right? Why? Why do you think that is not a? Why do you think that is not a good definition? What's What's wrong with that idea of meekness? Or how does meekness differ maybe from this idea of being shy and a pushover? What do you think? I see meekness as a silent strength. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Silent strength. I think like, you know, meekness is something we choose to be. Those other four traits are just like maybe kind of personality almost. Okay. All right. That's good. I like that. Choice, and this is personality. This is this is sometimes uh, maybe a, 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 a characteristic feature. Like we're born, and there are people we know, right, that are just tend to be a little bit more introverted, may not be maybe a little bit uh, easier to take advantage of, stuff like that, right? And we may associate that with weak. Um, yeah. Now, I think one thing that um, one of the commentators that I was reading this week, he was saying, you know, meekness is not the idea of, of being someone who is a yes man, right? Who just always thinks of yes. Because we kind of think of that in that realm too, right? The meek person is kind of the one that the boss just goes to because they know that they'll, they'll say yes no matter what, right? That's kind of that, that same idea. Um, it's, it's not this person that's just uh, kind of um, weak and, and meek and will do whatever somebody says, right? Um, and it's also not a passive. It's not a passive understanding, right? It's not the person who just passively goes through life um, never wanting to confront people, right? But, but like you said, it's a, it's a silent strength. There's a, there's a choice that's in there to be meek. So um, the other thing that um, a lot of times people will say about someone who's meek is that they're just, man, they're just a nice person, right? They're so nice, um, and, and we probably know some nice people, right? And we may associate meekness with that person. Um, we may say that that person is, is meek. Um, but again, this has more to do, I think niceness has more to do maybe with personality um, versus meekness, which is a, which is a choice, um, which is a choice. So um, before we get into maybe defining more of what meekness is, um, how have you guys, um, we were going to do this as a group discussion, but we're going to just do this as a room discussion today. How have you seen a false sense of meekness in somebody's life? Have you seen some this side of meekness lived out maybe either in your life or somebody else's life? And, 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 and what, did that, what did that kind of look like? What did that end up what was the result of, of that? Um, so um, one, of the, one of the things you guys had mentioned was, was humble, right, as, as kind of a, as a good definition. And I think that as we were talking about this, um, humility is, is kind of a parallel 
characteristic to, to meekness, right? Um, so, so humility focuses a lot on yourself, right? Lowering yourself. It's this, this kind of self-lowering um, idea where has has a lot more to do with yourself. Um, where meekness, as we're going to talk about, has a lot to do um, with someone else. As you relate to somebody else, um, it's this idea of of how do I relate with somebody else? How do I how do I bring this humility now? Not just um, myself humble, but but how do I relate with somebody else and bring humility into that? And I say they're parallel because there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of areas that humility and this idea of meekness really kind of go hand in hand. Um, but if we're getting to the point of, of truly understanding meekness, I think we have to understand another word, which is um, how this word is translated a lot of other times, is, is this word right here. Gentleness, right? Gentleness. Um, so like the New American Standard uh, translates the, this uh, Matthew 5 as um, blessed are the gentle, right? This idea of gentleness. Um, which, which, if you also think about, um, we also see in, in Paul as he lists the fruit of the Spirit in Matthew 5, uh, 22, right? There's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, right? Verse 23, gentleness. Um, and, so, and so really that word gentleness um, really helps us a lot because when we think about gentleness, it's this idea of power under control, Right? It's, it's not weak, it's not a pushover, it's not a, a frail, sissy type of personality. It's, it's a lot of power, but it's knowing how to control that power. It's, it's having the discipline and control to bring that into control. Um, that's meekness. Um, uh, as, as one guy said, he said, meekness does not use its power for its own defense or selfish purposes. Uh, meekness is controlled. Uh, and surrendered to God. It's an attitude in which all energies are brought into perfect control of the Holy Spirit, right? It's that idea that I can still um, have a lot of um, strength. I can still have a lot of um, power and all of that, but it's now harnessed. It's now controlled. Um, and, and that is one of the works of what the Spirit does. As the Spirit works in our life, we talked about in Romans 8, right? As the, as the Spirit works in our life, it starts to help us control some of that. Um, it helps control some of those things. And so it's this idea of, of, of power under control. Um, and, it, and it has little to do with our own efforts and our own pride. Because um, a lot of times that's where we want to take it to. Right, we we think, man, I got I got these gifts, I got these skills, I got these things that I can do, and we want to kind of use it for selfish reasons. But yet, gentleness looks at that and says, you know what, I'm going to bring that under control. Um, now, the word meek is actually a really interesting word. Um, we don't use it a whole lot today, um, but back in the day, it was actually a, a, a very common phrase. In fact, uh, one of the first places that we know about this word comes from the Greek warriors. Um, so way back in the day, guys like this, these like these gladiators and these Greek warriors, um, they would use this this word meek to describe someone who has an incredible amount of power, but yet they were able to control it in such a way to use it for for, for an intended purpose. And so they would say that man, this this Greek this Greek person, uh, this Greek warrior was was meek. They were brought under control. It was also used um, in in um, just talking about how to break a horse. So if you have a powerful stallion, um, you know, especially like wild stallions, and, and again, you guys may be surprised that I don't know much about this. Myself personally, I've never broke a, a stallion. Um, but these wild, these wild stallions, right, um, that process in which um, you would bring them under control so that they would be useful so that you could ride them or maybe use them around at your farm or something like that, they would call meek. They would say you, that you were going to meek the animal. Um, and so that's kind of where this idea of taking something that's very powerful and bringing it under control. Um, and, and, and like I said, I don't have a whole lot of experience with um, doing this with, the, with that or with a bull. Like I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start to meek something like this. Um, but obviously there was a point where they had to, right? Because we have domesticated cows and, and, and animals that would, you know, that would be used for, for purposes of, of farming and things like that. And they were able to break it and to meek it. Um, but I have had an experience in meeking 
uh, a vicious animal in my life. And so this is, uh, this is, this is the closest that I, I, he looks so humble and so meek in that picture. I took that this morning. He looks so meek, right? But this is Nixon. And uh, a lot of you guys have, have seen him. Uh, some people are surprised because he is so meek that they don't even realize that he's at our house sometimes because he's so quiet. Um, but when we got him, um, he was just this wild, ridiculous, like crazy, full of energy puppy um, that had these long, lanky legs, and he didn't know how to use them, and he was falling all over the place, and he would just come and just basically he would run until he ran into something, and then whatever he'd run into, that would, be the, that would make him stop. And so whether that was, was you, whether that was a couch, um, that was kind of just this, he had no control over his body, what to do. Um, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but we, we took him to uh, a dog training class one time, um, and for like six weeks, he was always the dog. They would have this, uh, this, this uh, puppy playtime at the end where they would all get to socialize and play together and stuff. He was always the reason they would blow the whistle and have to stop puppy playtime because he would get so excited he would just pee right in there and it was like oh there and by the, by the end everybody's like uh, Nixon like everybody knew it was our dog it was like this shameful thing so like every time we walked into PetSmart for like for the longest time he would just like pee as soon as we walked in there um, but there was this process in those classes that that we trained this very wild and uncontrolled animal right to the point where now he would sit still. Um, that he would come when we called him, that he would start to, to know, man, I can't just run and just stop as soon as I run into somebody, but I need to control myself. Um, and that was, that, was part of, that was part of the process of, of training him, of, of making him. And, and the hardest skill that we ever had to teach him, um, I remember, was um, so, so dogs typically, if you know anything about dogs, they're either treat-driven or they're toy-driven right? Some dogs, like, they just lose their mind over dog treats or food, right? So they're the ones that, like, you don't ever want to mess with them while they're eating. They will literally rip your arm off. And I don't care if it's, like, the tiniest little chihuahua or if it's a giant Great Dane, like, you just don't mess with them. Others are toy-driven. And, like, you pull the ball out or you pull the, the squeaky thing, you know, the squeaky toy out or whatever, and they just lose their mind, right? They just absolutely lose their mind. Um, and, and so Nixon is a, was a treat driven. Like he loves his treats. He will do anything. I mean, you get the jar of treats out and he sits, he'll start rolling over like spontaneously. He's like, what do you want me to do? I'm just going to try them all until I get my treat. Um, but the hardest, the hardest thing we ever had to do was, uh, there's this one where you get him to, to sit down or to lay down and he's got his paws out and you put a treat on each one of his paws and then you walk away and tell him to leave it. And he's got to sit there and you can just watch him. He'll just like look at it. And after, and after a while, you'll say, take it. And then he knows that's his cue to eat it. Um, and then we tried it even um, a few times. I was able to get to just, like, drop it on his snout and just let it stay there. Um, and that is, I think that's a good picture, though, of this idea of, like, con- trying to control this, this, this urge that we have a lot of times, that this, these inner things that we have to bring that under control. Um, and so that's a great trick. You can try it with your kids when you get home, Chris, like, you, you know, you get a cheap little cheese square, you know, and put it on their nose and see how long they can wait till they, till they get it. It'll, it'll be perfect. Um, but, but there's this, yeah, but, but this idea of meekness is, is not that we're weak. It's not that we're without power, but it's a, it's an idea of, of ruling over, uh, those, those things. It's, it's, a it's, uh, ruling over that strength and having self-control, being self disciplined. Um, and, and the writer Solomon in Proverbs chapter 16, 32 talks about the power of this, right? He says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, right? This is that idea of meekness, of gentleness. He who rules his spirit, um, or has self-control is greater than that person who can take a whole city. Now, why, why do you think Solomon would would say it that way. What is it about being able to control your your anger and your spirit that's better than being mighty or being able to take a city? Why do you think he 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 says it that way? You guys got any ideas? Because your power is under control. Right. I mean, you know, if a if a if a boxer gets mad, he's not going to win. Right. Right. Well, he may win one fight, right? I mean, he may lose his mind and win a fight, but he's not going to go on to have a career of, of, of winning, right? He's either going to do something crazy and get kicked out of boxing, or he's going to, you know, he's, he's 
you know, going to lose sight of things in his anger. Like throwing haymakers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which usually doesn't work out well, right? Yeah. Um, a better leader, too, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, so absolutely. You tend to follow somebody that has that power under control. Right, and just goes, right. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we've, we've probably seen examples of uh, leaders who have had no control, right? And they've just kind of lost their, you know, and, and usually their reign is very short versus some of the ones who have, have had a longer reign, right? Because they were able to control that, that power that they had. Um, yeah, so I think it's that idea, you know, you may be able to, to win an argument if you're, if you're angry. Uh, you may be able even to win a victory here and there if you're angry. Um, but when you're self-controlled and you can bring that under control and, and point that in the direction, it's, 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 I think it, it, there's just so much more that you can accomplish, right? Um, when, you can, when you can kind of wield that, that power and that strength and, and bring it under control, then, then you can use that um, in some incredible ways. And I think that's what, what Solomon is trying to get, a, get across here um, with, with understanding that. Yeah. It's like parenting, same sure. concept of uh, sort of love instead of right. So, so, yeah, for those of us that, that have, have dealt with kids in the past, right, we know that um, whether, whether you're parenting them or you've just, like, been in, in, in charge of them, we know that you can get a kid to behave a certain way, right? I mean, you can pretty much, like, manipulate. I mean, you can, you know, you can make them do something at least one, one or two times, right? But if you truly want to get to that place where that, that child respects you and they're following what you have to say, um, you want them to do it because they, because they want to, right? Respect, and, and I think that is that idea of, of approaching that with gentleness and, and meekness. Um, and, and I think the, we have to be careful because a lot of times the opposite of, of meekness, right? We see this opposite of meekness um, play out a lot in our culture. And I think that's why our culture would look at this and call it weak. Right, because our culture, remember, this is this is upside down. So our culture elevates what? The powerful and those who are in control and those who are running things and those that can basically dictate you and, and, and have control over people. Um, and so so we see this in, in our culture. We see people exerting their power, their will over other people, right? Um, I mean we see this in some really hideous ways in, in our world today. If we're honest, like we think about the the, the sex slave trade that is happening in, in our in our world um, in 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 just Roanoke um, that's a real that's a reality um, could even be here in Franklin County for all I know um, but the fact where someone who is who is maybe bigger stronger older is able to take these young girls right and and to exert control over them and then use them uh, in ways that will make them financially a lot of money um, we think about the, the abuse of power just around the world, right? Um, and, and people um, using other people at their, ex, at their expense to kind of get ahead. Um, and so that's, that's probably the most obvious way that we see this play out, people not controlling. But I think for other people, I think it, it also can come in the form of um, being passive, passive-aggressive, right? Um, and so some people are just... I think some people are more naturally wired to to be more of the let me exert control and power over you. Some people are not naturally that way, and so they'll be very passive in their approach. And I think a lot of times, um, those of us that may be more passive, it's not as obvious on the outside that we're not being meek and gentle, right? But it's it's like it's not that I'm going to force you to do something, but I'm going to withhold something in order to get my way. I'm not going to come out and tell you that you have to do this. But I'm going to, because of my actions, because of my attitudes, uh, I may even go along and do with what you, what you want me to do, but I'm going to go along with it uh, with a very oppositional attitude, with a very passive approach to that. Um, and I think that can be just as destructive um, in, in our lives as, as the person who is um, directly um, trying to exert their, their will over somebody else, right? Um, and, so, and so meekness is, is the person that doesn't, uh, expect to always get treated with respect and reverence, right? It's, it's, it's that I can go into a situation and that I don't have to be the one that always gets my way. I don't always have to be the one that, um, that gets the respect that I feel like I'm due, 
right? I think the gentle person, the, the meek person, can bring those, those feelings of, of needing that respect under control in, in certain situations. Um, and, and obviously, our, our ultimate example of this is who? It's Jesus, right? Like, he, he is our ultimate example of what it means to be, to be meek and to be able to control that. Um, all right, so we get, a, we get several examples um, of, of Jesus. Uh, one of those is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. Um, we're all familiar with this passage, but he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke upon you, upon me, you uh, and learn from me, for I am gentle, right, and lowly. There's that word lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, also in Matthew 21. Can I, can I share some things about this? Yeah, man. Okay. This is one of my favorite verses. Ross uh, Zablowski. <laughs> um, I actually had Emily, or I asked Emily, and she gave me this for as a Christmas present uh, on a piece of wood because it's one of the coolest verses because it shows that example of power under control. Like on the surface, this is about like this like timidness and shyness and like I'm lowly and whatever. Uh, but there's so much in this that shows the power of who Jesus actually is. So the first part, come to me, like that's that idea that we talked about a couple weeks ago of as a priest or a rabbi, they would say to disciples, come to me. Uh, when they're ready to begin their journey. Uh, but the next part uh, where it says, I will give you rest, uh, is a reference to another verse. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here. Uh, and the verse is Exodus 33, verse 14. Uh, and it says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Who will give you rest? The Lord, the Lord right? Jesus is claiming to be God here. He's quoting the Old Testament. I will give you rest. He's quoting, the Lord will give you rest. And then the next line, uh, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, that's a reference to Moses, and Russell's going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but then the bottom part of that, you will find rest in your souls, is a reference to Jeremiah 6.16, where it says, Thus the Lord says, stand by the road and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk it in and walk in it and find rest for your souls. So, like, again, Jesus is saying, the Lord says, do this. So it's like this picture of exactly what we're talking about, where it's this uh, power under control, right? It's this picture of uh, I'm going to be gentle and lowly in heart and meek, but also still show that I am God in this moment um, through the, what he's saying in this passage. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Man, didn't even plan that. That was... That was a church plant right there. That's the best. That is cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously, obviously Jesus like demonstrates and models this perfectly for us. Um, and, and, and that idea that, you know, um, we even see probably the, and, and we're going to look at a passage here in just a minute, but we can see perfectly in that moment on the cross, right? When, when Jesus could have, could have called down the angels to, to, to rescue him off of that cross, um, but yet he, he says, Father, forgive them. You know, just this picture of like absolute power, but yet under control. Um, again, Matthew 21 verse 5 um, says this. It says, say, uh, say to the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming. How does it describe this king that's coming? How does it describe Jesus? Humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of the beast of the burden, right? Uh, in the King James, it says uh, meek. That he's coming and that he'll be a meek, right? And so that's that's how they describe Jesus as the king that's coming. That's this prophecy that the king was going to come, but yet it was going to be it was going to be this upside down idea, right? Um, they expected what the powerful general that was going to free them from Roman control, um, but yet Jesus comes as this as this meek, uh, humble king mounted on on a donkey, right? Um, you know, he wasn't on. He wasn't riding on on the you know on the horse um, as the as the general and the commander. But yet, he's on this very lowly, um, meek animal, which is which is the donkey. And so, I think that's all just kind of a picture of that. Um, and then Peter picks this up in in First Peter chapter two. Um, he says in verse twenty one, "For this uh, you have been called, because Christ also suffered uh, suffered for you, leaving you an example." How? So that you might follow in his footsteps. Well, what was his, what was his example? It says, he committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He continued entrusting himself 
to him who judges justly, right? It's this idea that when Jesus was afflicted and when Jesus was, um, when, when he was, um, when there was evil brought against him, he didn't return that, right? This idea of control. I mean, think about, you know, think about, I mean, it's hard for us to think about, but think about Jesus as the king of the universe coming and then the way that he got treated and yet his response every time to people, right? Every time um, his response was gentle and he didn't return the hate that he received, right? In fact, he would pray for those that would threaten him, pray for those that would revile against him. And so that makes, makes me think about, like, if Jesus sets up this example, this great example of what it means to have this great power under control, um, what is it in our lives that is the hardest thing to bring under control? What makes it so hard for us as we think about um, our lives? And, 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 that, and a lot of the times I think it's that pride and that arrogance that happens in our life, right? But bringing that under control, what's the, what's the big struggle with that? We're thinking of self instead of others, and he was thinking of everybody else. Okay. So he was he was upside down from what we he think about. He loved us so much, and his thoughts were on us and what was, you know, how yeah. he could save us. But we think of ourselves and what we're going to get out of it or whatever. Right. Like our, our mindset when we go into situations a lot of times is what? What can I get out of this situation? What, you know, what's going to be to my advantage? Um, where Christ was, he, he, his mission, his whole mission was about other people. Scott? I think a lot of times we, we're just concerned about what other people think about us, how we're going to look in front of others, oh, yeah? instead of how we're going to look in front of God. Yeah. And just having, not so much our attitude towards people, but our disposition toward God. Hmm. Um, difficult. As I go back to that, um, you know, we have an audience of one, like that, that mindset of, of really understanding, like, our lives, if we're followers of Jesus, should be um, to bring glory to the Father, which is what Jesus said time and time again was his mission, right? He said that he was, he was there to bring glory to the Father, um, and that should be what our mission is. Um, but a lot of times we think about our interest in that. Yeah. Right. Christ is coming right for you, and that's what they see, not yeah. anything you're putting on. That's when you're truly, I guess, in the zone of being weak. Right? Yeah. You're, you're being right there where Jesus is. I love, uh, I heard the analogy, there's a song out actually that says this, but um, there's the analogy of like, a lot of times, you know, we'll say that Jesus is like, you know, Jesus is like the sun, right? And when we think that, um, I think um, being, I think the moon is a great example of what we should be, right? The moon doesn't have any light in and of itself, it's just a reflection, off of, of the light from the from the sun, it has nothing to do. So when you understand that and you see that, you realize that man, the moon brings nothing. It's just this cold, dark rock, right? I know, Emily, I'm crushing your dreams right now. Um, but the moon really offers not nothing to us in that sense of, of light. It's only because it's reflection from the sun, right? That's that's where its true source um, of strength is, and that's that's kind of what our life should look like. Is that we should be a reflection of, of Christ in our lives. Um, and I think those are the things that are going to change people. Those are the things that are going to change our community. That's going to be the things that changes our world is when they see more of Christ. You know, our world doesn't need to see more of, of the world. They see enough of that already. They need to see more of Christ. Um, I think that is, that's what the world is, is truly looking for, even though it may not even recognize that. Um, and I think when we, can, when we can bring this idea of humility and gentleness I think that gets the world's attention, right? Like, so when we show up um, and, and maybe we're in our job setting and, and everybody else is just ranting and raving about something and, and, and upset because, they're, you know, they don't feel like they got what they deserved or whatever, and we come in with a controlled spirit in that, right? We come in and, and we have a different response. Like, that's going to – people are going to notice that, you know? People are going to notice that attitude, um, you know, when you're, when you're not just trying to get ahead at work and, and just kind of climb the ladder, but you actually – uh, are caring for people that work with you, um, people are going to notice that kind of stuff, you know? Um, even in our community, if, it, you know, it's like, 
Um, you know, I think about there are a lot of needy people, even in our little small town. And there's a difference in, in just kind of ha- handing a $5 bill out the, the door to somebody and actually sitting down and getting to know somebody, you know. Um, handing a $5 bill out, out sometimes has a lot more to do with us and, and maybe us feeling better about ourselves. But when we can actually bring ourselves under control and uh, stop thinking about ourselves and actually think about that person, um, I think that can have a huge impact on, on their lives. Um, and so I think we can all say that obviously this, this idea of, of meekness and bringing this power under control, like that's, that's not an easy thing for us to do by any means. Um, and, and there are a lot of examples. Um, one of those we're going to look at today um, in our story, in our inside out story, um, is going to be um, a moment in the life of Moses. Um, and this comes from Numbers chapter 12. And um, so, so essentially, um, I'm just going to start in verse 1 and, and, and kind of talk through some of this, and then uh, we can discuss it a little bit more. But in verse 1 it says, uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, uh, for he had married a Cushite woman. All right, so this was a big deal. Like Aaron and, and Miriam um, were were upset with Moses because he had married this this woman who was outside of the, the tribe of the people of God. Um, but I think it had a lot more to do with that, as we're going to see here in a minute. It seems like um, Aaron and, and Miriam uh, both had a very, um, a very jealous heart um, about Moses and, and what God had extended to Moses. And so it says in verse 2, um, And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. I think that's important to note that God was God. God jumped in in this moment, right? Um, and 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 as we see this jealousy builds, the next thing we're going to hear is, well, what what was Moses like, right? I think this is interesting. It says, now the man Moses was very meek, uh, or very gentle, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Uh, verse four says, and then suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, uh, come out, you three, to the tent of meetings. Uh, and the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord myself, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and with no riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. What's interesting here is look at, look at the Lord's response, right? And, and, and all we get from this passage, as far as Moses goes, is the fact that he was very meek. And I think the Lord is responding here to this idea of meekness, right? Moses wasn't seeking his own benefit, right? He had learned to control that. Um, he was a very meek person. He was a very controlled and gentle person. And the Lord came to his defense. When Miriam and Aaron decided that they were going to you know, uh, bring these accusations up against him and they were starting to, to, to become discontent with Moses', Moses leadership, the Lord comes in and stands in the place um, of Moses. And the story goes on to say that, that Miriam comes out, right, and she's covered in leprosy. Um, she comes out and she's covered in, in leprosy and, and Aaron goes and begs Moses uh, to forgive them that she would be healed and Moses um, again goes and prays to God um, and God said that she's going to have to endure that for seven days and then, um, and then she'll be healed but, uh, but I think what's important to note here is God's response um, to the meek as this idea of this fatherly protection right? he, he protects Moses he comes to Moses' side and stands um, up for Moses in this moment yet the arrogant Right, the arrogant are offended. He's he's offended by these accusations that they're bringing against Moses, um, and so I think for us, as we think about that, man, I would much rather, right? I would much rather humble myself and have God defend me, than to allow my own pride and my own arrogance to try to defend myself. Um, I would much rather have have God to know that I'm living the way that God wants me to, um, and have Him on my side and defend me than me try to do that myself. Um, and so I, I think this, this story and, and just this whole idea of meekness kind of drives us to the point of asking this question then. How do I get meekness then? Right? Like if, 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 it's a, 
if it's a um, quality, if it's something that I, that I want to work on in my life, like practically how do I, how do I become more meek, right? Um, and as, as one commentator has said, he says, meekness bows before the throne and realizes that the God who sits on that throne is an all-wise God. Uh, and God makes wise plans on the basis of his righteous character. And, and I think it's this idea of understanding that when I understand the grace of God, it helps me control my own pride and my own ego and, my, and those things in my life, right? Um, when, I, when I understand, when I understand that, that God has extended such grace to me, that helps me in so many ways to, to control that, that, that image that I have of myself, that, that value. As I like to put myself up there, that pride and that ego, it helps to me to control that. Right, and so it's a it's it's a realization that it's only by grace am I that I am where I am. Um, Paul says this in First Corinthians fifteen, uh, verse ten. I love I love this verse. Um, this is one of those well, this is one of those verses that that I want to try to keep in my mind because I think it's so it's so powerful for us. Um, but Paul says this. He says, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. But on the contrary, I worked harder than." than any of them, um, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me, right? Um, Paul understands and identifies that, you know what, I am who I am only because of what God has first extended to me. Um, I, I am only only in these positions because it's God that has allowed me to be there. And I think the person who can see that and understand that it's only by the grace of God am I, that I'm where I am, um, I think that is the person who can have a meek spirit, who can kind of bring that under control. Um, Even with that proper fear of God. Correct. Yeah, a proper understanding of who God is. Um, and I think it's also it also goes into a proper understanding of the grace that God gave us. Um, I was One of the things I was studying this week was the idea of, of cheap grace versus costly grace. Um, and I think a lot of times, um, especially for us that kind of grew up in church, it's really easy for us to take a cheap grace approach. Right? We just look at the grace that God gave us, and we're just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of that Sunday school story. And we just kind of like, you know, there was a moment we were really excited about it, but kind of in our day-to-day lives, we just kind of, we kind of check out to that a little bit, don't we? Um, we, don't, we, don't, we don't always think about the significance or the weight um, of, of what it costs God in order to give us this grace, in order to extend the salvation to us. Um, and so when we see grace as cheap, it really doesn't motivate us to do much in our lives. Right when I when I think about man it, when I just like oh yeah it's great God sent Jesus to die for me I kind of know the John three sixteen thing that doesn't really push me in a direction to to really dying to myself and to into bringing um, a lot of my my pride under control but yet when I understand the costliness of what it costs God to extend that grace to me that that just drives my heart to a place of bringing it under control right. If God could extend that out to me, why would I not want to then bring this this pride and arrogance under control? Um, and so I think it's that understanding then of of it's only by the grace of God. Um, we were we were talking in in sermon prep about this idea um, of of the grace of God, and one of the guys said, you know, um, he said every time I'm watching the news and I see somebody. Um, on the news who has, you know, committed murder or something like that, you know, it's a big thing. Um, he said, he said, he used to freak his wife out because he would always say, he would say, I could be that person if it wasn't for the grace of God. Like, if it wasn't for God working in my life, like, I could see myself, I could, I could end up going that direction very easily left on my own. Um, and so I think part of this meekness is understanding that, man, if it wasn't for the grace of God in our life, um, man, we could be we could be these horrific, awful people, um, and I think that helps us to to kill the pride and the arrogance in our life, and, and to kind of meek ourselves um, quite a bit. So, and so as we think about that, then as 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 Jesus finishes up here, um, he always gives a promise, right? And so the upside down promise is that these meek shall be the ones that inherit the earth, and and this is very upside down, right? Because in our in our world and our culture, we think it's what. It's the powerful, it's those that exert themselves, that are kind of cutthroat and only out for themselves. But he says here it's the, it's the meek that inherit the earth. And I think, I think that word, that phrase, inherit, um, is really significant to understanding this. Um, um, inheritance is, 
it's sonship language, right? Um, it's 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 something that is is giving to that you would pass down onto a onto a, an inheritor into a into a relative into somebody that's within the family, um, and so essentially what what I think Jesus is trying to help us to understand is those that are gentle, uh, those that will meek and bring themselves under control, those that are willing to walk through that door, um, those are the ones that are going to inherit the earth. Those are the ones that are going to be the children of God. Um, and and as, as we think about this inheritance language, it reminds me of our study in Romans 8, um, the sonship language that we talked a lot about. Um, like in Romans 8, 14, Right, it says for for those who are led by the Spirit, um, and again, remember, part of this what the Spirit does is it helps to work to, to make us more gentle and more humble um, in our lives. But those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God, for they did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons, uh, whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God, and as children, then heirs and heirs and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with him. So this, this promise then is, is upside down from what the world thinks, but yet God has, has made it very clear that if, if we will be humble, then we will inherit the earth. Um, and and this, this promise of inheriting the earth, I think, again, it kind of goes with this theme of there's a, there's a present-day application understanding, but then there's also a future completion of that, right? And so it's almost like this idea that if, if we can live as people who have meeked um, and brought our pride under control, um, we almost walk around this world um, as if we were kings of this world. Like, we almost walk around as if um, there's nothing in this world that's, that's out, of, out of touch for us because now we've learned to bring our pride and arrogance under control. Um, you know, um, we, 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 we found contentment, things that most of the world is searching for, we have found that when we can when we can know Christ and and come to follow Him, um, and and I think that you know if we as we look at our world today, um, some of the people that we would say, man, those are people that that own this earth. Those are people that are like the top of our culture and our, our communities and places like that. There's they still uh, when you listen to what they say that they're not content with what they have. Um, I think about the um, there was an interview done several years ago with Tom Brady. Um, this was back before he won, you know, like his last five Super Bowls, um, when he'd only won like 10 of them or whatever, whatever it is. Right. But he had just won the Super Bowl and, and they're interviewing him and they're kind of like, Hey, what, what do you, you know, what's going on? Are you excited? Like what's left? He's like, he's like, man, I'm really excited that we won the Super Bowl, but I still feel like there's something missing. Like I haven't found something. So you look at these people who are, who are rich and you think have everything that the world could offer and they're still looking for something that they haven't found yet. Um, I think of the YouTube song, uh, or the YouTube song uh, that Bono wrote many years ago that says, uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Um, and I feel like a lot of our world is, is walking around looking for something, right? There's this need that they have. Um, and for those of us that have found Jesus, like we've found that. And so in a way, like we, we've inherited all of that. There's nothing lacking in the life of the believer if we have Christ. We have everything that we need. Um, and so in one sense, we almost walk around this earth as if we have everything. But then in, a, in another sense, we're waiting for the completion of that, right? We're waiting until the day um, where Christ brings heaven to earth and re, remakes a heaven and a new earth that we'll live in forever. Um, and so I want to kind of close. Um, this, this verse, uh, this passage in, in, in Ephesians 2 has really been, uh, really been hitting hard in my life um, the last couple of weeks. Um, but, but as Paul ends this, I think it points to what that promise really is, right? Um, so Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 7 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, I love verse 4, but God, right? This idea that this is where we were, but here's what God did. God came in, but God, being rich in mercy, uh, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Verse 7, here's the, here's the fulfillment of that, that. So that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches 
of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, right? There's, there's coming a day, right, that we're going to see the fulfillment, that we're going to inherit uh, a new heaven and a new earth. Um, those of us that have first learned to control ourselves. Um, it's the idea that those who are under control are ultimately given everything, right? That's the, that's the perspective and the promise. When we can bring our, our pride and arrogance under control, we're ultimately then given everything um, that we would need in this life. So um, I, think that's the, I think that's the perspective. I think that's the building block. Um, so we start out, we started out, this is just, just a quick review. We started out with saying that, man, when we understand our spiritual poverty and brokenness, right, when we get to that place, um, we can identify that. That then leads us to a place of mourning and repentance over those sins. And when we get to that place of mourning and repentance, then I think it becomes a lot, a lot more natural for us to start to bring in that pride and arrogance under control. And we become gentle, humble people as we walk around this world, as we interact with this world. We don't walk around just thinking, man, what can I get? What can I do in order to, to get my way and my will? But how can I bring that under control so that, so that I may bring glory to God with my life, right? Those are the ones that Jesus says that he's going to ultimately give everything to, all right? So let's, uh, let's pray, and then, we got, um, then we're going to sing one more song uh, to close out for today. So Father, thank you for today. Thank you for, for your word. I thank you that um, we could, uh, God, just again get into, uh, God, these beatitudes and and God, I pray that they wouldn't just be uh, something we talk about on a Sunday morning. I pray that they just wouldn't be a, um, God, just a, a discussion for us, um, God, that, that kind of leaves when we walk out the door. But these, this idea of, of being meek and gentle and bringing ourselves under control, um, God, that that would be a mark in our lives. Um, Father, that we would be known by the people around us and the people in our, in our lives. Um, we'd be known as those that are meek and gentle. Um, that are bringing, bringing our arrogance and our pride under control. Uh, Father, that you would get glory from that. God, that we would honor you, um, God, in, in the way that we bring uh, those things under, your, under control, under your control. God, I pray that, that your spirit would work in our lives as, as we uh, bring, bring, that, um, bring that meekness to fruition in our lives. God, thank you again for our time. God, may, may you be honored. Um, God, and as we as we close up today, as we finish out, God, may we walk out of here as as meek, gentle, humble people. God, we love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name, Amen.